You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, church. Welcome. Thanks for joining me this morning uh, from wherever you're tuning in from. This, this is not going to be a particularly complicated message today, but it is a message that I feel like we need to be preaching to ourselves every day. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like that the truths of the Bible, and I often feel like the truths of the Bible and, and the truths uh, and the things that God teaches me, that I need him to reteach them to me over and over until they sink in. I'm sure you find this as well. Sometimes even years later, um, I, I find that he's having to to tell me again because I've slipped back into an unhealthy mindset or I've forgotten his truths and there's so many things we have to, to keep preaching to ourselves daily. And I suppose that this is only natural um, when we're being bombarded constantly by information from the world around us and uh, which can look really healthy and correct but it's it's actually miles apart from what scripture tells us about the mindsets that we should have. So where I feel God is leading me today was to approach worrying uh, and our anxieties about provision uh, and what we feed on. And I'm not going to suggest a quick fix for anxiety here, but it's more a question about our daily habits uh, and what we centre our lives around. I think we tend to be, as people, we tend to be warriors in general. Uh, this is a huge issue, I think, for most people, and especially when it comes to provision uh, for the future. Uh, I think that it comes from our society and the basic attitudes around uh, around us, which are kind of get as much as you can, as quickly as you can, and then keep it, and then you'll be safe. So uh, with that sort of attitude in mind, it's quite hard to to hear anything else. And uh, we saw some of that at the start of the pandemic, uh, particularly when people who, you know, feel under threat or feel like, you know, things are going to run out. It's, there's The response is to hoard, you know, there's this pressure to hoard, uh, and the greatest revelation of this, obviously, was that it seems that our, our biggest worry in life is not having enough toilet roll. <laughs> uh, who knew? Eh? But apparently lots and lots of toilet roll is what you need. Um, you'd think it was beans or food, but no. Uh, apparently toilet roll is going to be the currency of the apocalypse. <laughs> so there we go. But the issue for us Christians is that we live and are raised around people and worldviews that look out for number one. It's get what you can, get what you need as much as possible, uh, and, and that's the, the way to live your life. And the things that Jesus said about this are so counter-cultural, and they're so radical, uh, that it's no wonder that we face a battle within us when we try and hear or follow this teaching, uh, when what's all around us constantly is completely the opposite of what he was saying. So if you want to turn to Matthew 6.25, uh, that's where I'm going to start here. Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Wow, that's profound. <laughs> Don't worry about your life. What you eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, add, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? 
such truth in that statement. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then he says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow, what a passage. Um, you know, this is really profound, really countercultural counter uh, to what we see going on in society around us. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I could do with rereading that every day. Uh, it's not that complicated, but it's hard. You know, when you start trying to put it into pra practice, it's very hard. Uh, and it's hard because it speaks into our culture. It speaks deep into our plans and our thoughts and our despairs for the future uh, and our planning for the future. Uh, our worrying and our hoarding and our society's attitude is this store up for yourselves as much as you can and worry about it if you can't and Jesus isn't telling people here not to plan he's he's not telling people to be lazy and he's not telling people to be indifferent but that we should hold all these material things lightly and not let them weigh us down and ruin our minds by worrying about them he says, for the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, worrying is like the anticipation of trouble and problems and letting that anticipation consume our minds and our bodies. And I'm sure everybody listening to this, watching this, has experienced at least some way of how damaging that can be on our minds and our bodies. And the whole passage is about trusting the father, trusting that he will provide enough for us. For me, many of the examples of what Jesus says uh, give me the impression that there was this carefreeness to his character. Of course, he was going around doing really serious business, um, and, I, and I in no way think that he was you know, indifferent towards people or unemotionally involved. But I think there's this element of uh, sort of a carefree relaxedness to his spirit, and th this is the ultimate trust in the Father's provision, and it meant that he could breathe even in the midst of incredible tensions, that he could rest, uh, knowing that he trusts the Father fully. And I believe this is certainly what he taught his disciples and uh, how at times that they were going through harrowing situations and they were still able to have this ultimate peace. And I've pondered this before and I've possibly mentioned before that the closest example I can see of someone who has this kind of attitude is, is watching my son. Um, He's so small uh, that, he, you know, he's only just gone one and the worries and the stresses of things that we think about, they just don't affect him. He just goes about his busy business, um, you know, putting things in pots and doing whatever it is he feels he really needs to do. And uh, he doesn't think about where his next meal is coming from he, or whether he's going to have to have clean clothes for tomorrow. You know, he just trusts that all those things are going to be provided for him. 
and it means that you can get on with this important stuff like chasing the cat and uh, and playing with trains. But with this, the, the, there's this ultimate trust and carefreeness, and it's a relaxed spirit, and the material needs and the physical wants all become secondary. And it sounds hard, doesn't it? And to live in that kind of place of trust in the Father. And I think it is hard, in fact. I think it probably seems a little bit unnatural to us because um, we're so used to worrying and trusting in ourselves to provide for ourselves. And it's, it's unnatural, this ability to trust like this. It's probably supernatural. And that's why, um, like a lot of things that he tells us to do, we can't do this without his power living in us. Jesus says at the end of this teaching, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. He's going to give us what we need, and not just the provision that we need physically, but the spiritual things that we need to even trust him like this in the first place. He will provide those things. He wants us to trust and rest in the knowing that the Father cares about us and that he will provide for us. But in this statement, he's not saying, okay, so just sort of kick back and, and worry not. You, you know, his command here is to seek first. If we take our minds off the everyday needs and, and the wants of the future and the worries that we have and we seek him first, he will add it to us for the glory of God, the Father and the kingdom. He goes through saying, don't worry. And then he says, get your priorities right. I think he's saying here, don't let all these things consume your mind. Um, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But instead, seek first his kingdom. And a lot of the things that we worry most about or we struggle with are focused on our own kingdoms. You know, it's this that can weigh us down. We worry about the future of our own little tiny kingdoms and whether they'll survive. Uh, it's either our kingdoms we're worrying about or it's our own righteousness. And that's everywhere just now in society. Uh, from the outset, this looks like a really good thing and it looks really healthy. You know, make yourself better, take care of yourself, how to make the best you. And essentially, it's all guides to trying to make ourselves more righteous in our own steam. You know, I don't want to slate it all because I'm sure some of it's very useful, but most of it, I feel, is trying to point us to, you know, earning our own righteousness, making ourselves look the best that we can be. And Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We'll never, we are never going to make it if we just try to make the best versions of ourselves. There's nothing wrong with like eating less biscuits and, you know, taking some exercise if we need it. But, you know, don't seek first the gym. Don't seek first your best self, your own self-righteousness. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We can only be made righteous through Jesus and his work on the cross. He's the only one who can slowly transform us into the best versions of what he wants us to be. Our little kingdoms and our own righteous ideals of ourselves they're going to fade away, maybe tomorrow, maybe in 10, 20, 50 years. And that's just something we have to deal with. But his kingdom will go on and it's eternal. The works he does in us by his righteousness there are like little marks on our soul that are perfecting and they're going to go on and live with him in eternity 
And this is what counts, not by my strength, but by the one who lives in me, Galatians 2.20. So that's why we shouldn't worry about all the other stuff, but instead spend our time and our energy seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. What's our focus? Are we focusing on his kingdom, on seeing his kingdom advance in our town, in our nation? And maybe this is the actual thing that makes you feel a bit under pressure. You know, maybe the thing that you get anxious about is actually, you know, worrying that you're seeking his kingdom, but you feel like you're not doing enough or you're not working hard enough. And this can be a very real crippling anxiety. Um, and I don't think that he wants us to bear that. Maybe there's some kind of conviction there. That could be a good thing. You know, maybe the spirit's motivating um and, but if it starts to become something that actually makes us feel anxious or depressed, it's more likely that we're putting that pressure on ourselves. I feel like this from time to time, but I want to look to John 6. It's John 6, 28. When they asked him, what, only, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. They were looking for this way to work towards God's favour. And again, they're looking for a way to be more righteous in themselves. And Jesus replies with, believe in me. And everything we do for him and the seeking that we do for the advancement of his kingdom and the gospel should be all the products of our belief in him. Living life by faith in the son who loved us and gave himself for us. The more we trust and the more we get to know him, the more inspired we are by him to show his love and peace to the world and to let his light shine through us into the darkness. And there may come a sense of urgency or duty to him, but it should pour out of understanding that he's done the work for us uh, and we can rest now in that peace that surpasses understanding in his grace, in his love, where we give our worry to him. What work is there to be but to believe? That's what he says. Everything we do comes out of being inspired by him and him working through us. As for those material things that we worry about in life, in Matthew, he said, you seek him first and these things will be added to you. He will take care of our needs if we trust him with our all. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is not get things from God and how to do that. We don't seek him first, hoping just to get more stuff. Earlier in John 6, uh, as I said, that's, that's actually, if you read a bit earlier than that, that's where the people were confused about. They, they're following Jesus because they want more food. They've seen him do this miracle uh, and he's given them these, you know, loaves and fishes and, and they just want more. They want another meal out of it. They're like, oh, if we follow this guy, maybe we can get more provision. And that's, that's not <laughs> what we should be doing. He's asking them to take their eyes off of the stuff and, and that they can get and look for the spiritual food that lasts that he can give them. When, and in verse 25 of John 6, it says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then he goes on to say in verse 35, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. Jesus says he is the bread of life. He will give us deep spiritual nourishment that goes beyond what the world can offer or what self-help books can offer. It goes deeper than the philosophies of how to be a better person. Jesus says it endures to eternal life. This is awesome stuff. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink or wear, but instead we should believe in him and seek first his kingdom, his righteousness for spiritual nourishment that won't fail or fade or spoil. And this is the truth that we need to bury in our hearts daily and preach to ourselves every morning so that we can conquer our anxieties, so we can conquer our worries about our lives and our material troubles. He said he will provide for us both spiritually and physically if we believe and seek first his kingdom. And I just want to finish with this thought. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, Paul quotes 2 Samuel saying, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He views you as a son or a daughter. It's hard to let that fully take hold of us. But he wants to provide everything for you, everything you could possibly need. And he knows before you ask it. He loves you as his son or as his daughter. And I mean, that makes it a bit easier to trust when we know that God loves us that way and that he wants to provide for us. Seek him first. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And he will provide for us. Thanks, guys. It's great to be with you this morning. I hope you're blessed by that and uh, hope to see you soon.